What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... You never know what dangers lurk just around the corner. On February 23rd, 1981, a woman was born who would, for reasons unknown, take the life and innocence of a young neighbor and lead police on a wild goose chase to find the person responsible. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Sandra Renee Cantu, born March 8, 2001, was just eight years old when she disappeared from Tracy, California. Described as an outgoing and happy young girl, Sandra was quick to make friends and loved playing around her neighborhood, the Orchard Estates Mobile Home Park, which is exactly what she was planning on doing the night of March 27, 2009. Living with her mom, three older siblings, and grandparents at the time, Sandra was out playing at a friend's house until about 4 p.m., returned home, and then asked if she could go back out again to see another friend. When she wasn't home by dinner time, Sandra's family started to grow worried. She was officially reported missing at 7.53 p.m., and pretty much immediately, local police divided up and canvassed the area while knocking on all of the neighbors' doors, asking if anyone saw the second grader. Checking the security cameras her grandfather had installed, police saw Sandra skipping away from her home at 4 p.m. And from another camera set up nearby, they saw her crossing the street and moving out of the frame. Playing what footage they had on the national news stations, police came up empty-handed during their search of the neighborhood and decided to call in the FBI for assistance. Over the course of the weekend, March 28th and 29th, Police dogs, equestrian teams, ATVs, and helicopters were all brought in for a search, while a total of $22,000 was offered as a reward for any information that could lead to her location. In the meantime, investigators started a list of potential suspects. The first and most obvious choice was Sandra's father, Daniel. Separated at the time, her mother Maria did not believe that he had something to do with the disappearance, saying the pair were never even that close. She was proven correct when his alibi cleared him of any involvement, and police instead started looking into some of the more shady characters who either lived in the mobile park or happened to be around the area on March 27th. People like the ice cream man, who no one recognized and was seen talking to several of the children, though he was later ruled out, and the man who lived near the Cantu family, who many suspected was a pedophile and had, two years before her disappearance, been seen kissing Sandra on the lips. 
Though he admitted to being attracted to girls around the ages of 9 and 10 and admitted to kissing Sandra that day, he was ruled out as well, but police made sure to keep an eye on him in the future. With every lead heading straight to a dead end so far, officers were at a loss until a candlelight vigil was held for Sandra Cantu and a woman, absolutely distraught, ran up to them and claimed she found something that they needed to see. The neighbor, 28-year-old Sunday school teacher, Melissa Huckabee, handed over a letter she found and told them that, while she wasn't sure it was important to the investigation, she did have some of her luggage stolen from her driveway the day that Sandra disappeared. Inside the letter, littered with misspellings, were the words, Cantu locked in stolen suitcase, thrown in water on Bachetti Road and Whitehall Road, witness. Immediately sending the letter in for testing, a dive team was dispatched to search the area listed and found absolutely nothing. Now, though the letter seemed like it might be a break in the case, police were immediately suspicious of its deliverer, Melissa Huckabee. Speaking with those that knew her, they soon learned that Melissa had a history of mental illness and, according to many, would often do odd things in order to get attention. Wanting to speak with her themselves, they brought her in for questioning and when asked where she was the evening of March 27th, she said that she was at the church decorating her classroom. She said that she made a phone call about the missing suitcase while there and when her phone records were pulled, they saw that she did indeed make a phone call at around 4 p.m. Knowing Sandra disappeared sometime after that, as dictated by the surveillance tapes, Melissa was tentatively added to their suspect list and needing more evidence, police seized her vehicle. Inside, they found a post-it note that, though all of the words seemed to be scribbled out, was sent in for testing and found to contain the words Machete Road, Whitehall Road, and Water, all phrases used in that mystery letter that she allegedly found. Obtaining a warrant, investigators searched her home and, under her dresser, found a notebook that had the same paper used in the note, with indents found on a different page that matched up with what was written. Feeling absolutely certain that she was the one who wrote the note, police asked Melissa to come in for questioning again, and this time, she told police that there were a few suspects that she wanted to talk to them about. Like the older neighbor she suspected of drugging kids, and a father and son duo who lived nearby and allegedly had photos of children on their phones. Needing to rule out all of the possibilities, police pulled all three men in and gave them polygraph tests. Adding in the man who confessed to kissing Sandra to the mix, he passed, but the other three failed. Though they all seemed to be guilty of something nefarious, after some digging, investigators became certain that they had nothing to do with Sandra Cantu's disappearance, which left them with just Melissa Huckabee but police were left wondering if she had something to do with the disappearance or if she was simply a woman willing to do anything, even something as macabre as that letter, to get people's attention. On April 6, 2009, the case took a turn when a call came into the station from an employee working at an irrigation pond who said that he had just found a suitcase. With the overwhelming smell of decomposition wafting off the black case, it was transferred to the medical examiner's office. When they opened it up, there lay the curled-up body of Sandra Cantu. 
still wearing the same clothing she wore the day of her disappearance. The young girl showed no signs of a defensive wound outside a small cut to her lip and likely died of asphyxiation. Searching further, the medical examiner found that the girl had been drugged with a large dose of alprazolam and genitals suffering from injury had likely been sexually assaulted with some sort of foreign object before being smothered to death. After learning all that this young girl had suffered, police turned all of their attention to Melissa Huckabee. There were far too many coincidences to not look into her more seriously. Not only had she been the one to turn in that letter and who wrote it, but her daughter was a friend of Sandra's. She lived nearby and the body was found in that missing suitcase that she made sure everyone knew got stolen. Wanting to interview her again, police went to Melissa's home, but found that she had recently been taken to the hospital after trying and failing to take her own life by swallowing razor blades. Not allowed to see her until she was released, police were left waiting and decided to try and look for any witnesses who could potentially place Melissa at the pond where Sandra was found the day of the disappearance. They happened upon a man and his wife who were in the area and saw a dark-colored SUV parked near the pond with the door wide open. The man went further to claim that he had seen a dark-haired woman standing nearby, and when he asked if she needed any help, she said that she had just pulled over to use the restroom. Both their description of the car and of the woman matched Melissa and her vehicle. Heading back to that surveillance tape to make sure they didn't miss anything, police watched as Sandra started walking out of frame and realized that at 3.54 p.m., she was walking in the direction of Melissa Huckabee's residence. They then saw that same SUV driving in the opposite direction eight minutes later at approximately the same time that Melissa called the mobile park manager to report her missing suitcase. 85 minutes later, cameras outside the church she worked at captured her driving away from the building. 30 minutes later, she was seen coming back to the church and it was within that 30-minute time frame that those witnesses claimed to have seen Melissa near the irrigation pond. The final nail in her coffin came when the FBI searched the church and found a rolling pin that, when tested, came back positive for Sandra Cantu's DNA. And inside her classroom, police found a white string that had been cut from the blinds and later retied. When confronted with the evidence against her, Melissa Huckabee denied everything until she learned about those witnesses at the pond. That's when she changed her story and claimed that while playing hide-and-seek with Sandra and her daughter, the young girl zipped herself up in that suitcase. Unaware that the eight-year-old was inside, Sandra placed the container into her car and went to the church like she had said before. When she came back out, she looked inside and found that Sandra was already dead. Panicked, she decided to throw the suitcase and her body into that pond. Though she was adamant that the entire thing was an accident, police, knowing all about the blood found on the rolling pin and the medical examiner's findings, said she was lying and on April 10, 2009, arrested Melissa Huckabee. After being charged with the murder, police obtained a new warrant to search Melissa's computer and, once and for all, were able to prove that the murder was premeditated. With searches like how to kill a child and reading an article about a father who killed his child and got rid of his body by placing it in a suitcase, there was no doubt in their minds that Melissa was guilty. 
More charges were later added for the druggings of a seven-year-old girl and a 37-year-old man. But when Melissa decided to accept a plea bargain and take responsibility for the first-degree murder of Sandra Cantu, those charges were dropped, along with a rape and child molestation charge. She was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Though the prosecution speculated that she killed Sandra for the attention, Melissa publicly stated, I still cannot understand why I did what I did. This is a question I will struggle with for the rest of my life. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on February 24th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.